Hi, and welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, a certified nutritional practitioner and health coach, PCOS fighter and creator of PCOS Breakthrough, as well as the Addicted to Healthy podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Shannon Bennett, a naturopathic doctor. She is also a PCOS fighter, and she specializes in women's health and women's hormones. And today, we'll be talking about PCOS, the basics of PCOS, how to know if you have it, what to look for, testing, and symptoms. Today, we are going to be talking about PCOS specifically. What is it? I think that's the best question to start with. Uh, just because it can be a little bit confusing, um, there's a lot of different like definitions and symptoms and um, and different root causes to it. So I just want to kind of clear it up. And um, yeah, if you want to talk to us a little bit about what exactly is PCOS. Sure. So PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome or polycystic ovary syndrome. And it is a metabolic dysfunction that later leads into hormonal imbalances. And so um, this syndrome is a cluster of a bunch of symptoms that go together. And there is a lot of different research on what causes it and kind of where did this all start. But we aren't still sure exactly how this started. But what we do know is there's several factors that kind of lead into PCOS forming. And that's genetics, um, systemic inflammation, environmental toxins, and um, our nutrition and how our body is handling insulin and insulin resistance. So that's kind of a broad way of saying that we're still figuring it out, but we do know all these things have an influence into it and someone developing PCOS. Awesome. And of course, the name um, says that there are obviously cysts involved. But um, I think a lot of people really just look at the cyst being the criteria for diagnosing PCOS. Um, and obviously the name kind of says a lot about that. But how much does like the cyst really go into evaluating if you have PCOS? Do you have to have the cyst? Um, and do you know like if there's any causes for this um, coming up? Like why are these cysts forming? Um, yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about the cysts in particular and what kind they are? Because there are different types of cysts as well, right? Yeah, so maybe we should go first into the criteria and then we can dive into the cysts. Sure. So whenever you're diagnosed, there's a few things that your doctor is looking for. And this has actually changed over the years. In the past, there was a very um, classic picture of PCOS, which is um, anovulation, meaning you're not ov ovulating or your periods are very far spread apart to where you're not ovulating often throughout the year. Um, and then there's the high androgen symptoms, which is mostly what we talk about and are concerned with because it's kind of, it's the thing that's really upsetting our vanity. Like it's mm -hmm. the hair loss, the hair growth on our face, acne, um, obesity. So a lot of these things can be the things that we get the most stressed about and the thing that gets us in the door to find out what's going wrong. But that's actually a sign of high androgens, which testosterone, DHEA, um, those types of hormones. And then the third thing is polycystic ovaries or many cysts on the ovaries. 
And as Laurence mentioned, there's different kinds of cysts um, that can occur on your ovaries, and not all cysts that are present on ovaries are necessarily polycystic ovarian syndrome type of cysts, if that makes sense. <laughs> and so um, they used to have this very classic picture where it was all three of those symptoms together, and that's the PCOS um, presentation. And then about 2013, they actually came out with the Rotterdam uh, criterion, and that changed a little bit in that you just need to have two of the three criteria to be diagnosed with PCOS. So when I was first diagnosed, this was in 2001. It was, <laughs> it was early on. And um, my I, any physician I went to after I was diagnosed and I would write down, yes, I have PCOS, they would look at me and they would say, no, you don't. Look at you, because I'm a small, petite person, and at the time I didn't have any of the facial hair growth or acne. I was also on birth control, masking, all of that. Um, so when a doctor would look at me, they would say, no, PCOS, you don't look like it. But now we're really evolving our understanding of PCOS, and you might not look like a classic PCOS symptom or person, but you still could have it. Um, you could still have these high androgens that are leading to these symptoms of acne or hair loss or hair growth. Um, you also could have the anovulation and the cysts on your ovaries. Um, or you might just have two of the three. So yeah, that's what the criteria has transitioned into. And from this understanding how we see that there's not one classic picture anymore, there's now several different types, um, they have developed different phenotypes of PCOS. And there is some criteria over that, or some controversy over that. Some people don't really believe that the different types exist or that some don't truly exist, but others do. Um, so I do want to put that out there. There's a lot of controversy going on in the um, science and research realm. Uh, but I do think that breaking down these types is very helpful to women in healing themselves and reversing the symptoms. And it's also very helpful to understand why do I have the same disorder as Laurent's, but we look so different, or my treatment is so very different from hers when it's the same issue. I think knowing there's these different types really helps us understand that. Yeah, definitely agree. Like you as well, um, I kind of fit into that lean PCOS type, but I did have all like other symptoms like hirsutism, acne, cystic acne, um, irregular periods, and ovulation, all of that. So, I mean, there is usually that picture of PCOS being kind of just that one picture, but they are so many different types, and we all look different. So I definitely can relate to that. Um, and then you kind of touched on, so the Rotterdam criteria for two out of the three, so the anovulation, regular periods, um, as well as um, the three other options, sorry, the two other options, so the polycystic ovaries, um, and then the high androgens, right? Yes, so, and so we can break those down even more because um, I think it's important for you to really understand the different aspects of um, PCOS because a lot of times, I know for me personally, when I was diagnosed, it was like, oh yeah, you have PCOS, you're probably not going to get pregnant, and you're going to have screwed up periods, so let's just put you on birth control and let's put you on um, metformin to control your blood sugars because that's a problem with this um, disorder, and then then I went home. Like, no one explained what was going on. And so I think it's important that you understand the criteria, not because you're going to be self-diagnosing or because you're going to go diagnose someone else, but mm -hmm. so for you understand what we're looking for when you come into our office 
Um, and to make sure that you are thinking about, okay, did I get the correct diagnosis? Because there is some misdiagnosis with this as well. Um, so anovulation is no ovulation, meaning that your um, ovaries and the follicles aren't maturing the eggs to release them, and you're not able, if you're not ovulating, you're not able to get pregnant. So that's where people start to think of, you're going to be infertile if you have PCOS. But you can get yourself ovulating again, and we will go over that. <laughs> um, another form of anovulation is if your cycles are just very far um, apart, so 35 days or more, and that's going to look like less than 10 uh, periods a year. So for me, I was more in that category. I was still having periods and I was still ovulating, but um, mine were just happening really far apart, several months apart. And I know even now I still feel that's awesome. Let's not have a period. Who yeah. <laughs> wants a period? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean that's how I feel in terms of when I get my period. But in the reality, that's a huge picture into the state of your hormones and the balance of your hormones. And so if you're not ovulating, if your cycles are 45, 65 days apart, something's going on. So even though it's not fun every month, it, it's part of life and it's part of our health and it's a healthy thing to um, be having your period every month and having ovulation. So we want to make sure that that's happening. Um, and then um, hyperandrogenism, which is just high androgens. And androgens are like your testosterone or your DHEA. Um, a lot of times women think we have estrogen and progesterone and men have testosterone. And that's because there's such high amounts of, you know, one side in, in women and high amounts in the other side in men, but we all have all of them. <laughs> and so it's just more about the balance between them all. And women with PCOS, we typically have higher amounts of testosterone, um, but that's not always the case you might have normal testosterone, but it's in the highest limit of normal while your estrogen and progesterone are just plummeting. Um, or you can have higher testosterone and estrogen dominance and then very low progesterone. So it's really about understanding where you are at individually and um, getting a balance with all of your hormones. But that high level of testosterone is what's causing a lot of those symptoms of that Ross is talking about, like the vanity symptoms that I brought up. And honestly, that's usually the symptom that brings people to the door if it's not about fertility. Mm -hmm. um, and the best thing to do for that is to get testing done. So you can do um, your blood levels of these hormones or are also dried urine testing through Dutch testing, which I really like. Um, they have a really good analysis of all the hormones and the metabolites and how your body's breaking them down. Um, so those are two ways to get that assessed. It's, you're not, you might be able to notice, okay, I have a high amount of testosterone going on because I have all these symptoms that are similar to the symptoms of high testosterone. But you can't really treat yourself when you don't know where your, your starting point is. Um, so you really do need to have a physician on board to look at your labs, to you know, walk through with you, okay, why is this one higher, et cetera. Um, and then the PCOS cyst. So like we spoke about a minute ago, there are different kinds of cysts. So there's functional cysts that are pretty common, and most women actually have these on their ovaries throughout their cycle, and they kind of resolve on their own. They don't usually cause that many issues, um, and most women wouldn't know about it unless they were to go get a transvaginal ultrasound. 
And then there's complexes, which can be a lot more of an issue in some women. Not everyone gets these. And um, usually they're not as much as the woman with PCOS cysts. And those two cysts are more a true cyst where it's a fluid-filled sac. It can be filled with blood or tissue or other cells. Um, but with a PCOS cyst, it's actually our body was trying to mature a follicle so that it could go and ovulate, and it got stuck in that phase. And so the surrounding of the follicle, the PICA cells, was still being stimulated and thickening and still growing, and it created what looks like a cyst. And so women with PCOS, they see this a lot, and a lot of times they'll say, um, you know, there's a string of pearls around the ovaries, like I said when I was telling my story last week. Um, or another thing they'll say is there's a cluster of grapes. Um, because women with PCOS typically will have many of these cysts on their ovaries because, again, their um, follicular maturation is just kind of halted uh, and not going anywhere. And so this ties into the anovulation. And then that cyst that has the theca cells um, that are growing actually can produce more testosterone, um, and the insulin resistance plays a part in that as well. So it's all tied in together. Um, yeah, so I think that covers the cyst as it yeah. goes into depth about that it. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about the phenotypes, but we were kind of talking about like the criteria, but then there are, there are different types, right? There can be more severe and then less severe types as well. So you're looking at the androgens, the irregular periods, the cysts, but then you can have different combinations. You might not have all of them. You might have one or two. Um, and then obviously we're talking about how there's a lot of misdiagnosis. So some people think they have PCOS because they don't have a period or, um, or they are saying that they don't have it, but they do, they might have it. So there is a little bit of confusion out there as well. Um, yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about the phenotypes? Uh, well, actually, I'd like to talk about the misdiagnosis, like, yeah. just bringing up. So, one thing to note is it is a diagnosis of exclusion. And what that means is you need to be ruling out every other possible cause to these symptoms besides the PCOS. So, um, I think we said this on the last video, but there's still a lot we don't know about PCOS. And we're still trying to understand kind of exactly what's going on in the body to make this start or form or create this situation. And so there's not just a PCOS blood test that we can take to say, yep, you've got it. Um, what we do is we compile all these symptoms and we look at, you know, what's going on in the labs and say, it's, it's looking like this and let's try to treat it the best we can and see if we have a reversal of these symptoms. And, um, before you do any of that and put a treatment on someone, you want to make sure this is truly what they have. And so you want to rule out things like hypothyroidism because you can have hair loss with that. You can have fatigue and brain fog. You can have weight gain. You can have a lot of the same symptoms that look very similar. Um, and you want to make sure you're ruling out adrenal issues because it's all tied in as well. So you just really want to make sure you're doing a good job or your physician's doing a good job of making sure that you checked everything out, and it, it looks like, you know, it walks like a duck, talks like a duck. <laughs> it's probably a duck. Um, but you want to make sure that you're excluding all the other options first, um, first and foremost. And then another part of misdiagnosis is understanding normal um, physiology and how the body naturally should be 
maturity. And so women who are in their uh, puberty years or teenage years, when you first have um, your very first period, you're not going to have regular cycles right off the bat. Most likely, most women don't. And you're actually probably going to have a lot of cysts on your ovaries. That's very common in puberty. Um, and what we see, it takes more to like two to three years for our cycles, our hormones, and everything to kind of regulate and balance out. So if you're in that teen years where you have the acne, you have these irregular cycles, um, and even you might have cysts on your ovaries, it's probably not the best time to diagnose just yet, um, or do a lot more um, digging deep and kind of look at the whole picture. Like you're a teenager that's your body's still maturing and hasn't quite found its rhythm yet. That being said, most of what we would have you do to reverse the symptoms of PCOS, if you were to start implementing the nutrition, the exercise, the stress management, um, that would already start reducing the symptoms, even if you're a perfectly healthy teen that just happens to be going through puberty. So it's that's something to consider and to think about. So if you are a teen yourself and you're in this group or you're a mother of a teen and you're thinking this is what's going on, I'm not saying throw it off the shelf, but just realize the body does need to mature and find its own natural rhythm. And a lot of what could be going on is just normal. But let's go ahead and implement healthy lifestyle so that we can start reducing some of the symptoms and potentially reduce the PCOS phenotype that if they are diagnosed with that later. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because I think that that's super important. A lot of people are kind of diagnosing themselves when they're really young. And that's why I've also seen that they're starting to really um, not diagnose before at least 18. So I think that's really important that you mentioned that. And of course, as well as um, that you mentioned with the nutrition, exercise, lifestyle, those are amazing things to implement for anybody, even if you have PCOS or not. Um, but it, it's about talking about like going on metformin and other medications, like probably not um, the first step you wanna take especially if you're like 16, you have a regular period. Um, yeah, so I really like that you mentioned that. Yeah, um, and that can even be, so for, for me personally, like sorry to talk about myself, but I have my experience, yeah. is that, you know, I was put on birth control really young. I think I was 13, and I stayed on it until I was about 23, I think 24. And so my body never had a chance to learn its natural rhythm. So even though... I had a doctor who thought I might have PCOS pretty young. Um, they Before we even went to go find out, they just slapped uh, birth control on it and, you know, managed my hormones. So then when I came off when I was 24, my hormones were all over the place. And it was a few years of understanding, okay, is this really – my hormones are out of whack or is this a rebound effect? And is this just like that post-birth control syndrome going on or is this, you know, actually – or what's going on and so um, that's something to consider too if you've been on birth control for a long time it, your body does need time to re-regulate yeah definitely um, I also had a similar experience but definitely not as young um, but that's basically just a band-aid effect it just suppresses some symptoms but then as you said when you get off it then hormonal changes can be even worse than they were before you didn't address the root causes and PCOS can just be even worse than, obviously, if you caught it right at the beginning. So that's awesome that you mentioned that. Um, and then I think it's really important to mention also post-pill, when you're going off the pill, 
like you said, lots of hormones can be dysregulated. So a lot of people think they have PCOS or, um, yeah, they just kind of treat it as PCOS, but it could be something else. It could be the pill, like you haven't really um, started regulating your hormones yet. Um, so that's also another thing to look at as well, because there are different things with triggers for PCOS, like you mentioned insulin resistant, um, the pill, inflammation, the androgens. So there are like different bases to cover. Yeah, and a lot of these, like the post-pill syndrome and um, PCOS, like a lot of them can kind of overlap each other in some ways with the symptoms and even with some of the treatments. But at the end of the day, it's important that you do get a correct diagnosis because you don't want to be shooting in the dark out into left field, taking a million supplements, wasting your money, and then find out, oh, that's not even actually what I have. Or worse, that this supplement is actually going to make my condition worse because that's not what I've got going on. So um, I know I hear a lot from people, I don't like doctors, which is funny to tell someone who's a doctor. <laughs> but people will tell me that, and I get that, but also at the same time, you need to make sure that you are tr being treated correctly and not just throwing spaghetti on the wall and hoping something sticks, because you deserve better than that. And that's just going to be a prolonged journey for you. Totally agree. I uh, just want to talk a little bit about um, what to do Looks like we are already at um, almost at one thirty. Did not see oh, time go by. Let's go over the phenotypes real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So the different phenotypes we're going to go through are the Rotterdam phenotypes, and like I said before, they have followed and studied a lot about, um, and they kind of go in order of most severe to least, or most classic symptoms. So like we talked about back in the nineteen thirties when they first came out with the syndrome, the most classic uh, presentation down to the least. Um, and things that are going to impact what phenotype or category you fall into are going to be things like your age, your weight, your um, stress around your life, your inflammation of your body, um, and like environmental toxins and different, um, those are basically the main genetics, those are the main things that are going to impact where you fall into these categories. Uh, oh, and food. Always food. <laughs> okay, so um, type A is when you have the whole gamut. You have um, anovulation, you have high androgens, and you have the polycystic ovaries going on. So that is going to be considered the most severe, and that's more like the classic presentation. So you have three out of three for the criteria. And um, uh, with this like type A, they've noticed that there's a lot more AMH um, in these women, and I know that you posted an article about this. Mm -hmm. So again, with the more severe symptoms, we see higher AMH levels. And then um, type B is going to be anovulation and high androgens, so you're still showing um, those symptoms of the hair loss in male pattern areas. You're showing hair growth in male areas, so like the, um, the mustache or the beard or the neck or even in your low back, those areas are going to be having more hair, more thick, coarse hair, acne, um, irregular cycles, things like that. Um, but you don't have any of the cysts. So this is pretty common, and women get pretty confused. How do I have polycystic ovarian syndrome without cysts? But this is where the two out of the three fall in. Um, so you still fit the criteria. Um, it's just not as severe as the most classic feature. And then um, C, which is type C, is very similar but less severe again. And that's going to be whenever you have regular your periods are coming every month, 
you're ovulating, all of that is great, but you still have high androgens or even high normal androgens. So they're still in the within normal ranges, but they're on the high end. Um, but you also do have the cysts. And so that one I see pretty commonly as well as this type D, and this is the one that like people will say it's not true, um, would be the least severe and kind of what we're all hoping to reverse into <laughs> is whenever you have the healthy hormone reaches where you're not having these symptoms of the acne or the hair loss or any of that. Um, and you might have like, an, again, a normal testosterone, but it might still just be like the high end of normal. Um, so if you're sensitive, you might still show symptoms, even though your testosterone is normal. Um, and then with these women, we're still seeing anovulation, but I typically see that they're just ovulating less frequently. It's not that they're completely missing a period. It's just farther apart. Um, and then they have the polycystic ovaries. So um, this one's the most mild, and because of that, and the androgens are considered normal, um, some organizations believe that that's not truly polycystic ovarian syndrome because one of the key points of PCOS is that you have high androgens or an androgen excess. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the fourth. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that. So I'm just going to check yeah. if we have any questions on the Facebook group. Um, but I just wanted to ask you if you could um, just give us one thing. Um, for people to go away with, like where where to start? What would be the first thing if somebody is kind of thinking that they have PCOS, they're not sure, or even if they have a daughter who is going through symptoms like this, like what's the first step? I would say the first thing is to go to a physician and have them do the proper testing. You need to find out what your hormones look like for a starting point, um, and also to find out if you're LH is high, or your LH-FSH ratio is high, or if your testosterone DHEA is high. Um, you also want to see what your female hormones, the estrogen and progesterone, look like. Um, and then also doing an ultrasound. So some people will just do the abdominal ultrasound, but really um, the gold standard is a transvaginal ultrasound to see what's going on on the ovaries. Um, so really just making sure that you have someone who's doing a thorough look-through of you and getting the correct diagnosis and ruling out any other causes. Because there's a lot of other things that could be going on that could cause the same exact mimicking symptoms and it not be PCOS. Um, so definitely getting a thorough look through. Um, and then I think if you've already been diagnosed, the thing that no one wants to hear is diet. Diet is so important with any of these diseases or syndromes or just any of these symptoms. If we want to balance the hormones and reduce a lot of these symptoms, we have to look at our diet. And one of the biggest key points of PCOS is the insulin resistance. That is the biggest part um, that I see be an issue with women in PCOS. And so really addressing your diet is going to be so important. And like I talked about before, a factor of uh, PCOS is systemic inflammation. So making sure that you are eating really whole foods that are clean, um, heavy in the leafy greens and the vegetables and the antioxidants and less in the processed um, foods that are going to cause more inflammation and just issues systemically. Love it. That's a great place to start. Completely agree with the nutrition, obviously. Um, so yeah, I don't think we have any questions right now. 
But if you have any questions at all, feel free to message me, put it in the group, um, post under the video, and we will definitely address these in the next episode. Um, haven't created the exact um, outline for the next episode, but we will definitely be considering what you guys want to hear. So definitely send us what you want to hear, any questions you have, and we will definitely go over those. Thank you so much, Dr. Bennett, for joining us again today. It was super informative, and I hope you guys learned something new. I hope this was um, informative for you, and we will see you next week. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Bye.